The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Medea, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast dedicated to fashion, the art of living well, and all things beauty. I'm Dr. Shirley Madare, your host, and I'm your purveyor of this definitive source of living a beautiful life. So what is wellness? And what is it? I mean, what, what does it mean exactly? It sounds like it, we should know, but th- there must be something specific about it. And when you do hear about wellness. Are you totally overwhelmed by the plethora of wellness therapies available? I mean, do they really work? Do you read Goop online? Are you a Goop guru or a spa junkie? Anyway, in two parts, I'll do a deep dive into the world of wellness and help shed some light on the good, the not so good, and the questionable. This is Wellness for Your Good, part one. Dictionary.com defines wellness as one, the quality or state of being healthy in body and mind, especially as the result of deliberate effort. Number two, an approach to healthcare that emphasizes preventing illness and prolonging life as opposed to emphasizing the treatment of disease. So the revolution of wellness actually has a very long history. And according to the Global Wellness Institute, Between 3000 and 1500 BC, that was the discovery of Ayurveda, and that originated as an oral tradition, later recorded in the Vedas, V-E-D-A-S, which are the four sacred Hindu texts. It's a holistic system that strives to create harmony between body, mind, and spirit. And the regimens are tailored to each person's unique constitution, such as their nutritional constitution, exercise, social interaction, and hygiene needs. And all of this interaction is with the goal of maintaining a balance that prevents illness. Yoga and meditation, for example, are critical to that Ayurvedic tradition. Between 3000 and 2000 BC came traditional Chinese medicine, or TCM. And that was influenced by Taoism and Buddhism. And that applies a holistic perspective to achieving health and wellness by cultivating harmony in one's life. Acupuncture, herbal medicine, Qigong, and Tai Chi are examples of traditional Chinese medicine, as well as herbal medicine. In 500 BC, the ancient Greek physician Hippocrates, who's possibly the first physician to focus on preventing sickness instead of simply treating disease, he argued that disease is a product of diet, lifestyle, and environmental factors. I'm a big Hippocrates fan, at least of his academic and clinical work. And some of my favorite quotes from Hippocrates I'll share with you now. And one of them is, let food be thy medicine 
and medicine be thy food. Now, I know there's a lot of controversy about medicine being our food these days, but he was the originator of that quote. Another Hippocratic quote, natural forces within us are the true healers of disease. Quote, walking is man's best medicine. End quote. There's a big up for exercise. Another quote, it is more important to know what sort of person has a disease than to know what sort of disease a person has. Make a habit of two things, to help or at least to do no harm. Another quote, if we could give every individual the right amount of nourishment and exercise, not too little and not too much, we could have found the safest way to health. I mean, this was millennia ago, and I think Hippocrates really was on the right track. In 50 BC, ancient Roman medicine emphasized disease prevention. In the 1650s, way fast forward, the use of the word wellness first appeared in the English language. In the 1790s, German physician Christian Hahnemann develops homeopathy. And I gave a little primer on homeopathy in the last episode. In the 1860s, the German priest Sebastian Neipp promotes his Neipp cure. And that was combining hydrotherapy or water therapy with herbalism, exercise, and nutrition. In the 1870s, Andrew Taylor Still develops osteopathy, and that was a holistic approach grounded in manipulating muscles and joints. In the 1880s, Swiss physician Maximilian Bircher Benner, he pioneered nutritional research, advocating a balanced diet of fruits and vegetables. The YMCA also launches as one of the world's first wellness organizations. Did you ever think that the YMCA was a wellness organization? That was new to me. Nonetheless, it was considered a wellness organization, and its principle was developing mind, body, and spirit. So they were forerunners ahead of their time. In the 1890s, Daniel David Palmer develops chiropractic, and that was focused on the body's structure and functioning. In the 1900s, Austrian philosopher Rudolf Steiner developed naturopathy, and he focused on the body's ability to heal itself through dietary and lifestyle change, herbs, massage, and joint manipulation. In 1910, the Carnegie Foundation's Flexner Report came out, and that was actually a critique of North America's medical education system for the lack of standards and scientific rigor. It questioned the validity of all forms of medicine other than biomedicine, resulting in most alternative systems, such as homeopathy and naturopathy, being dropped from the mainstream medical education and setting the stage for our modern disease-oriented evidence-based medicine. So according to that report, Anything alternative or complementary or that wasn't truly founded upon firm scientific fact was basically pseudoscience. Our modern use of the word wellness dates back to the 1950s, and that was by work by physician Halbert L. Dunn. In the 1970s, an informal network of individuals in the United States, including Dr. John Travis, Dr. Don Ardell, and Dr. Bill Hedder, and a bunch of others. These are considered the fathers of the wellness movement, and they created their own comprehensive models of wellness and developed new wellness assessment tools and wrote and spoke actively on the concept. 
and they were pretty much responsible for creating the world's first wellness center. Between 1980 and 2000, there were a lot of influential academic publications that presented evidence-based articles on wellness approaches, and wellness actually went mainstream. In 2010, the New York Times article actually discussed the word and the concept of wellness, and in addition to wellness going mainstream, now, as a result in part of this New York Times article, wellness went global or viral. I thought that was, I think that's funny. Wellness goes viral. <laughs> Should be wellness goes antiviral, but wellness goes viral. In 2014, the Global Wellness Institute launches, and they released research that the global wellness industry is a $3.4 trillion market, or 3.4 times greater than the worldwide pharmaceutical industry. That's major. So what does wellness entail? It actually includes a number of subcategories, if you will. And they are beauty and anti-aging, of which I am particularly fond, healthy eating and nutrition and weight loss, fitness and mind-body concepts, wellness tourism, preventive and personalized health, complementary and alternative medicine, wellness lifestyle real estate. I'd like one of those, please. The spa industry thermal and mineral springs, and workplace wellness. The most common wellness therapies within each of those subcategories are acupressure, acupuncture, aromatherapy, Ayurveda, biofeedback, chiropractic manipulation, exercise, helotherapy, hydrotherapy, manual lymphatic massage, meditation, regular massage or many other types of other massages, music therapy, nutrition, relaxation techniques, Pilates, sauna, wet, dry, infrared, sleep health, smoking cessation, stress management, Tai Chi, traditional Chinese medicine, including cupping, weight loss and weight management, workplace wellness, and yoga. Well, aside from the industries, what are the factors that influence your own health and wellness? Genetics, for one. Epigenetics. Now, I'm fascinated by the concept of epigenetics. Well, what are epigenetics or what is the field of epigenetics? It's the study of changes in an organism or a human being, if you will, caused by the modification of gene expression rather than the alteration of the genetic code itself. And that includes what you eat, your lifestyle, where you live, with whom you interact, when you sleep, how you exercise, etc. And the reason why I am particularly intrigued by epigenetics is because even in the face of having a particular genetic code, all those factors that I just mentioned can actually have some effect on whether or not the genes that you've inherited are actually expressed. I think that's really fascinating. So, epigenetics controls genes. Certain circumstances in life can cause the genes to be turned off, meaning go to sleep or become dominant, or to be turned on, meaning becoming active. Epigenetics are everywhere, and epigenetics make us unique. The different combinations of genes that are turned on or off is what makes each and every one of us unique. And finally, epigenetics, which is what is really exciting, is reversible. 
Other factors that influence health and wellness, your environment, your social environment, in addition to your physical environment, your culture, the media that you consume and are surrounded by, technology, your state of health, and your behavioral choices. So wellness therapies will not change any of these factors per se, but possibly, maybe, they may plausibly affect your epigenetics and the state of your health as well as your choices. But is it all good for you? Is wellness really good for you? Does that stuff work? I came across an article the other day in um, Business World Online, and it was entitled, Why the Wellness Craze is Worsening Your Health, Not Improving It. And of course, I was fascinated by that, and I thought I'd read it. But in general, the, the points made were that the state of health, at least in the United States, is worsening. The second point was that you have to be cautious. You can't really go too fast when you're incorporating a wellness program, especially when it comes to weight loss. And the other caution is learning online can be a dangerous thing. I had a patient one time come to me and she was asking a lot of questions, which is important. And we were having a discussion about risks and limitations and potential complications. And I complimented her on the degree and depth of questioning that she had. And her response to me was, well, I have an internet MD. So in that case, it was a good, it was a good thing because it facilitated conversation and discussion with what I like to think, you know, an appropriate medical professional. But in other cases, uh, the Internet MD may not be all of that. So the conclusion of the article to end with that was that it is important to be well and you should do it right. But if you are going to do it, please seek the help of professionals. So in summary, there's a reason why the wellness industry is growing at such a rapid rate. And we are looking for more. We're looking for better health, better skin, better relationships, frankly, just a better life. Even if you don't particularly prescribe to the mass conformity, I strongly suggest that you ask yourself a few of these questions. Are you putting your best face forward? Are you at your ideal body weight? Are you managing stress effectively? Are you experiencing any medical conditions or chronic inflammation? If you answered yes to any or all of these questions, then you may want to do your research and work with your physician or your other chosen health professional to find and determine which, if any, of the wellness therapies may be most beneficial to you. Not all therapies will apply to all people, and even if they do, it may take some time to truly feel and see the results, which may be subtle. So be cautious and be deliberate, especially for changes in nutrition and high-impact exercise. Consult with your medical provider to be sure that you actually don't hurt yourself. It is your holistic health, after all. So, this week's Fab Five are, number one, consider incorporating wellness into your life. After consulting with your physician, start with one or two therapies that resonate with you most. I recommend starting with nutrition first and foremost. Number two, do not underestimate stress. Find ways to reduce it, if not eliminate it altogether and keep up with it as frequently as necessary. Number three, remember to breathe. While it may be automatic, remember that it may also be therapeutic. Number four, nutrition is critical to your life. 
consult with a nutritionist or a physician to help you find the best nutritional lifestyle for your current needs. The way that you're eating now may not be the way that you need to eat in a few years because that too is dynamic. And number five, complete the picture and also pay attention to your skin. Your skin will improve as your nutrition and your wellness lifestyle improve. And as your skin improves with your nutrition and wellness routines, modify your skincare regimen to better serve the needs of your skin as they may change. Thank you for listening to this week's Forever Fab podcast episode. Until next time, stay beautiful inside and out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.